I think God wants to say something around um, what has just been going on in the room because I think he's wanting to highlight um, hope that comes through Holy Spirit, which is the very thing that I felt God put in my heart this week. And then we minister in that way. And I want you to know that that is not planned. That's God when he aligns, when he connects the dots. He wants to restore hope over the room. And uh, I think particularly at the moment there's something on people who have not been fathered well. And that's not just the lads. Our hearts are breaking for the lads in the city at the moment. Um, But I think God wants to release some city mothers as well, to mother those who have not been fathered well. And as a dad, I want to stand in the gap because I stood here on Father's Day and give this challenge about from Ezekiel about standing in the gap and God looking around and he sees no one to stand in the gap. So I want to stand in the gap of the fathers this morning and say, sorry, if you have not been fathered well, some of that's through osmotic pain. See, Rich, I'm getting this. <laughs> Osmotic pain that's been passed on from generation to generation. Some of that's because your dads were never taught how to father. And so God's doing something at the moment across this city. I believe there's a rumbling within stomachs and hearts and minds that rather than look for a cure to all of this, because this is a massive epidemic, we have to start somewhere with a prevention that it doesn't continue for generation after generation after generation. Now I'm up for that. Don't know where to go, what to do with it. But I tell you something, God never calls someone alone in that. So I think right now He's stirring in your hearts something around that. So I'd encourage you to come on Wednesday night and begin to pray um, for the men of our city, to pray for the fathers of our city, and to bring. You know what? I'm going to extend that to. The, I think there's going to be times in ministry there where if your heart is broken, we just want to gather together and be family and pray for each other and see healing administered. Because that's who Jesus is. That's who the Father is. That's who the Holy Spirit is. All of the Godhead just wants to bring healing and redemption to broken hearts. That's what we celebrate at this time of year. The common Messiah, the Savior, the redeeming one. That's what Christmas is about. That's why we get so excited about it. Because Jesus came so that we get to exchange hurt for joy. We get to exchange brokenness for hope. We get to exchange an absent father for a very present and loving and perfect father. All because Jesus came. And so I'm going to just give you a disclaimer this morning. I think God wants to do some heart surgery this morning. Not through me but through Holy Spirit. And I feel he's been laying the foundations for this in the last few weeks, and you'll see some of that as what I'm sharing here. But I think something that Andy shared a few weeks ago, Holy Spirit is so gentle. (laughs) He's more gentle than Andy's mum, and that's saying something. So don't worry if you begin to feel teary, if you begin to um, feel like a strange sensation that like I've been feeling this week, it's almost like the Grinch and his heart's come alive again. If you begin to feel that, that's just Holy Spirit that's beginning to bring healing to your heart. And I don't think it's a mistake that any of you are here. And so I want to declare this. Forget about everyone else in the room. Jesus wants to meet with you. That's all his heart is. You don't need to try and work out how is he doing that for everyone else. For you right now, he's here. 
He's saying, I'm glad you came. I could have met you anywhere, but you've came here because I want to minister and to see your heart healed. And so we just want to release that over the room. So, right, where are we going? At the end, just prepare because I think we're going to pray and we're going to get praying for each other. And I think Holy Spirit just wants to bring healing, but that may start already. So the Christmas story, it's the first Sunday of Advent. Yes! I absolutely love this time of year, just for the reasons that I've shared. Because Jesus came. I love the presents and I love all the other bits, but I love the fact that Jesus came at this time of year. And that's what Advent is about, basically. It's a few weeks in the lead up to Christmas time where we remember that. And so today is the first um, Sunday of that period. And so we want to begin to focus on the Christmas story over the next few weeks and just pick and highlight some stuff out of that. It's not going to be slick. It's not going to be a performance. We're just beginning to see what is God saying in all of this. And so if you want, there's Bibles at the back. Steve has them. Um, If you need one, just put a hand in your your hand in the air. And across the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, we hear the Christmas story. But actually in Luke, that's where I want to focus on. The first two chapters of Luke, because I think there's stuff specifically that God wants to do in this and how he wants to meet with people. In this. And so rather than read two chapters, I'm going to give you the overview of this. But when I delve in and out, because we're going to be a little bit all over this, if you get a little bit lost, I'm sorry. Probably just I haven't done a good enough job on that, or that my mind's getting confused. But follow along in this, and hopefully I'll try to do the best to coach you in this, okay? The busy Luke chapter 1 and 2 talks very much about um, these two cousins, Elizabeth and Mary both who have these um, visitations by an angel who tells them you're going to have children. And for both of them, it was equally miraculous because one was a virgin, one was a very old, it says, very old and childless lady. And God, no, we're not going to go there yet. God gives them children, both of them. I don't want to give away the story yet, where we're going. He gives them a child, okay? Both of them. And then we see the birth of Jesus happening. During this story, actually, Elizabeth, she sort of laughs about it. Zechariah, who is her husband, he says, that this, how can this be? Like, look how old we are. And he's struck dumb. Later in the story, Holy Spirit falls upon him and he begins to talk again. Whenever his baby, born, his baby is born, that's John the Baptist. So Elizabeth's baby was John the Baptist, who would tell the way. Who would prepare the way for his cousin, Jesus. The saviour of the world. The messiah of the world. And so basically it's these two families that's in this. In the first two chapters and then we see that Jesus is presented in the temple. And there's this Simeon and Anna who are there. Who are just two of the holiest people throughout scripture. Who are just waiting for this promised saviour. So basically that's a quick overview of what's going on there. Um, Anyway, yeah, there's loads of names that you will have heard there. So they're common characters like Elizabeth, like Zechariah, like Joseph, like Mary, and all our parts of the Christmas story and all our um, parts of the Gospels. You'll read about the shepherds and the wise men, and we think of the nativity stories that we see in our schools at this time of year. And we get so familiar with these characters. But I want to share about someone that we forget about. In the midst of it all, 
Okay, so here's three verses. Luke 1.35. Um, the context is, is Mary's being told that she's going to have a child. And she says, how will this be since I am a virgin? The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come upon you. And the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And then later on, in verse 41, this is when Elizabeth meets Mary, and when she hears her greeting, when the two cousins come together, the baby within Elizabeth's belly leaps in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then later on, we see her husband, Zechariah, who has been struck dumb, can't speak. It says, he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and prophesied or began to speak again. See, the key character in all of the Christmas story is the one that we forget about most. The Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. And most weeks in our lives, in our churches, we forget about the Holy Spirit. So we love God the Father of Jesus the Son. And then we talk more about the Holy Bible than the Holy Spirit. And that's not saying that this isn't good. Okay, That's just saying... We need to focus on the Word and the Spirit. So we can't throw the Holy Spirit out. So don't forget Holy Spirit this Christmas time. Because He's a key character in all of this. Without His involvement, without His power and empowering and doing the miraculous, there would be no Christmas story at all. That's how important. He's not just a back character. We've relegated Him to that. So I hope I'm getting that across to you. Because my prayer this Christmas time is that we won't be focused on the cast of the usual characters and we miss the central character. Or that maybe now that I've talked about it, you recognize the Holy Spirit as being part of the story and you think, okay, big deal, so what? Just this impersonal power, this force that happens. And you miss the significance of the Holy Spirit in the original Christmas story and what that means for you here today, at this time in history, when you're alive. Holy Spirit. Sorry, I'm just thinking about something. First, I think it's in 1 Corinthians 4, verse 20, where it says this. The kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It's living by God's power. And we can talk a lot about the Holy Spirit, but actually what God's saying in that is, it's living by His power, living by the Holy Spirit's power. So what does that mean? When we take that verse and combine that with the Christmas story, it means that the Christmas story is not just any other tale like a Christmas carol or anything else that you'll hear at this time of year that are just there to make us feel a little bit better, maybe to encourage some good morality in society. The Christmas story is part of your story. You are part of his story. You're part of history. You're part of this. God's word, you're you're part of the story in history. And so that means that the same Holy Spirit who did miraculous things in the Christmas story wants to do miraculous things in our lives. He's still alive. The Holy Spirit is still alive. This is not some dead story. So I want you to do something for a minute. Can you check your pulse? Right, so if you're alive and you've decided you want to follow Jesus, Holy Spirit is alive within you. 
And actually, you know what? It wouldn't be Christmas without saying that if you don't follow Jesus right now, if you don't know him, if you don't have that relationship with him that has you empowered by Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit's here and he wants to meet with you right now. So please, don't leave here without chatting to someone about that. Because he's just drawn you in. He's brought you here for that reason. But if you're alive, you have Holy Spirit within you if you're following Jesus. And so I want you to remember you of something. Because Jesus says in John 14 that we would do greater things because of the promised helper that God would send, the Holy Spirit. He says in that as well, that we're to ask for things in his name. And then in the very next chapter, he promises who's going to do that? The Holy Spirit. I give you a promised helper. And so I know I'm going over and over the same thing, but I think we need to get this into our minds. Holy Spirit is alive and he wants to do the miraculous in us, just as he did in the original Christmas story. Back in Bethlehem, when all miracle after miracle after miracle happened, he wants to do the same again. And so I ask you, I had this word at the start of the year that I felt was for us as a church family about raising our expectations. And I think God's just been reminding me again of that in the last two weeks, that as we get to the end of the year, we're to raise our expectations again. What are you hoping for this Christmas time? What's the Christmas miracle? Just like Andy was saying earlier, what is that one thing right now that feels so impossible that you want and you need in your life? What is that miracle? Because Luke one thirty-seven, if you see... Some of your translations there will say this. Whenever Mary was doubting it, she goes, or the angel says, nothing is impossible with God. So I'm going to say that over the room again. Okay, Nothing is impossible with God. It doesn't mean some things are impossible. It means nothing. Nothing. So right now, If you're in the most hopeless situation, I don't know what the outcome of that is, but I'll tell you one thing, there's a God who's there and wants to fill you with hope because he can do something about that. I'm not saying he will, but he can do something about it. And we need to hold on to that, having a Christmas story that tells miracle after miracle. And look, I'm not saying, okay, I'm not trying to, Get us all hyped up in a way. I know that God works in the mundane and in the everyday just as powerfully. Okay, I get that. But I just have a bit of a fear this last while that as the church, not here, I mean the church as a whole, we're losing our sense of awe and wonder. We're losing our sense of the miraculous. And we serve a miraculous God who loves us, a miraculous Father who wants to do the impossible. So get that, right? He wants to do it. He wants to do the miraculous in our lives. And yet we keep missing this because we've contained it down. And he does. Again, just to say, he does work in the everyday and in the mundane and in the small moments. It's not an either or. He works both and in the small everyday moments there's times where he does miraculous things and the Christmas story gets repeated 
That's not just my words. Ephesians 3. Remind yourselves of this. God can do immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. According to what? His power at work within us. So go back. Holy Spirit living within us. What can he do? Immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. Immeasurably more than we can ask or imagine. There are people in this city who need to know that. Some of you right here now need to know that. God can do immeasurably more. The Christmas story is still alive. Emmanuel, God, he's still with us. And he wants to do immeasurably more than you can ask or imagine. And get this. Only he can do it. Only he. Now there are various things that can help us along the way. But if you want change in your situation, I'm telling you now, because I've been there, I've tried a lot of stuff in this world. The only way that we're going to see breakthrough and true hope is through Jesus. Only God. So I want us to fill ourselves again this Advent season with awe and wonder. And I was thinking about this because in Ireland we have this phrase, careful now, careful now, now, now just calm yourself. Okay, to give that the British version of it, it would be keep calm and carry on. Just slow and steady. Let's just keep going. You know what God wants to do in all of that? Yeah, keep on, keep on, keep on. And sometimes, sometimes that's little bit by little bit. He just releases more of himself. But sometimes, boom, miraculous. Can you believe that? The definition of wonder is a feeling of amazement and admiration caused by something beautiful, remarkable, or unfamiliar. Jesus is beautiful. He is remarkable. Holy Spirit is beautiful. He is remarkable. The Father is beautiful. He's so remarkable. But you know what? They're all so unfamiliar in our lives, in our society. That's we need a restoration of awe and wonder. Look in the Christmas story. Angel visitations. In fact, the sky filled with them. A virgin conceiving a baby. Old ladies having babies. Husbands being struck down. It's just miracle after miracle after miracle. And I saw this quote this week. And I thought, this is for us. It's from a guy who works for Alpha in America. The Holy Spirit is ever ready to break into the ordinary and invade the impossible on our behalf. Say that again. The Holy Spirit is ever ready to break into the ordinary and invade the impossible on our behalf. That's why we have to raise our expectations. Because Jesus being born of a virgin, all the miraculous angel visitations, that wasn't to have a nice story. It was for you and me. And everyone out there who needs a little bit more hope in their lives. See, this first Advent week, I only found this out yesterday, the first candle that's lit. Any of the people who's come from an Anglican background, you'll know this. It's it's the candle of hope. God wants to light a fire of hope. I don't think it's even a candle. A fire of hope within our bellies this Christmas time. 
You know what? I know that we're running short of time on this, but this is too important. So I'm going to stop right now. And what I'd love you to do is um, just, just, this is nothing special. If you feel comfortable, just close your eyes, put your hands out in front of you. It's not like that's, you know, the, an extra special posture, but all it does is it's just a sign of how our hearts are being postured. I think God right now just wants to set a fire of hope in our lives. So Jesus, I thank you for coming into this world in such a miraculous manner to bring hope. So we declare hope over every individual who is here, over their families, over their situations. And right now, stir a fire deep down in their heart through your Holy Spirit. A fire of hope. Where that fire has become settled in a way. Just get out the heavenly poker and give it a good poke. And get that fire fanned into flames again. Right now, Holy Spirit, fan into flames over our lives. Hope, 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 and more hope. May that be the gift that you give us this Christmas time. Hope for our situation. Let's continue to minister to our hearts. Thank you, Jesus, in your name. Amen. And so, that Luke one thirty-seven. if you're reading all our translations there, some of them would say this, which means the same thing. Okay, no word from God will ever fail. So when Mary's given that word, so nothing is impossible with God. No word from God will ever fail. Let me tell you the, my version of that. If God says he's going to do something, he'll do it. Okay? And stop trying to think in your mind, I, I don't think he could really do that. No, no, no. Nothing is impossible. And if he's given you a word, if he's given, if someone's prayed with you, if you've had a dream, if you've had a word, if you've had a vision, if you've had something that you feel God has birthed within you, if he's given you a passion for something, and, he's, and it's that sense of, I, believe, I really think God's told me this, then go for it. No word from God can ever fail. Stop sitting in the comfortableness of hopelessness and step into the risk-filled adventure of hope that he wants us to do. See, Mary, she trusts God in this and he follows through. Maybe Jesus is born. And don't like let's not miss that. What that would have been for Mary, you know, we get to see it now with hindsight. But she's going through all the, what, I've never heard of this before. Like, Joseph, what's he going to think? Like, how do I explain this to him? How can this even happen? Am I going a little bit crazy? What's going on? No, she takes him at his word and God follows through. So his words doesn't fail. Elizabeth, equally as miraculous, verse 7 Chapter 1 says that she was childless and very old. Get this, if the Bible says very, it means very. She was very old and childless. <clears throat> but I love, there's something that um, Andy and I share a real passion for, is people's names have a meaning behind them. And in the Bible, people's names were given to them because there was a meaning behind it. It represented something in their lives. And so I want to give you my thinking on this. Elizabeth. Her name means God is an oath. God is an oath. God is my oath. And so I wonder, even though we're not told there, I wonder had there been a time in her life where God promised her that gift. I just wonder. 
I can't say if it was or not, but you know what? It sort of sounds like God's heart to me that he would follow through. And I'm sure that when God gives you a promise, I mean it, when, when God, and get it, when God, not whenever you dream something up in your mind and try to say it was God, I mean when God's given you and there's assurance of that, when God gives you a promise, he will fulfill it. I'm, I'm living proof of that. Because God gave my mom a word and she continually prayed over it. I get to stand here telling people about Jesus because God told her long ago it would happen. And so when he gives you a promise, the other thing about the name is Zechariah, her husband. His name means God has remembered. <laughs> Verse 13, your prayer has been heard. And so when Andy um, released that word over the room earlier on about God hears your prayers, all God's doing here now is he's highlighting that again. He's repeating it. What happens in the Bible is every time something's repeated, it's because God's trying to make a point. So when Andy shared that earlier on, the Holy Spirit prompted him to do that. Here's also the word saying, your prayers have been heard. Your prayers have been heard. And if they were very old and childless, I can only take from that that Zechariah must have been praying for a child for a very long time. Verse 18, his response looks like he's clearly lost hope. That's how then he gets struck dumb and all that sort of stuff. But he'd taken his eyes off. And it's funny how we sang that song on your own because the word I had this week was he took his eyes off the promise maker And he kept them on the problems. And I think God wants to take our eyes this Christmas time off the problems that are in front of us and onto the promise maker. Who through the Holy Spirit can do immeasurably more than we can hope or imagine. So I want to encourage you, maybe, just like Andy said earlier on, maybe there's something that you've been praying for, someone that you've been praying for and you've given up hope of anything ever happening. I think Holy Spirit just wants to inspire you again this morning. I, I hear your prayers. I hear them. For Zechariah, it was a matter of timing. And we've got to get this. Timing is so important. In God's timing. So keep holding on. Your prayer has been heard. Again, through Scripture. This is what said. Hebrews 6.18 So God has given both his promise and his oath. These two things are unchangeable because it is impossible for God to lie. Therefore, all who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. You can put your trust in God. I want to say it again. You can put your trust in God. If you're here and you don't, you're not walking with God, I want to tell you, you can put your trust in him. Look, we're, we're only people. We'll let you down. And I'm really sorry if you've been hurt in the past. I'm really, really sorry if you've lost hope in the past. But let me tell you something. God gives us new hearts every morning. And I need that every morning. And so I think he wants to give new hearts filled with hope this morning. New hearts that have a hope in him rather than their situation around. Because if our hope is in our, uh, our situation or in our environment... When that lets us down, we lose hope. But when you keep it on him who, what does it say? It's impossible for him to lie. It's impossible for him to lie. Those who have fled to him for refuge can have great confidence as we hold to the hope that lies before us. 
just to give you, as we close in this, if you look this week, go and read this. Luke chapter 1, Luke chapter 2. When you get into Luke chapter 2, we meet this beautiful couple of people called Simeon and Anna. It's who it says, get this, Simeon doesn't give him all these royal titles. It just says, a man, just an ordinary, everyday person going about his business, who had a heart that was, so, was seeking after Jesus in so many ways, that he, through a word that had been given to him, was told that he wouldn't die and go to heaven until he had seen the Messiah alive upon the earth. I think it's beautiful to think of Simeon who waited and then, as it says in Scripture, was prompted to go to the temple on that morning. And what was going through his mind? Okay, I'm putting my trust in you, God. Deep down, maybe this isn't it. Am I going to be let down today again? Did I really hear from God to keep turning up and then nothing today feels a little bit different and he goes to the temple and imagine the joy it must have been so much joy for him to stand not just for the savior of the world but the promise that God had given him in his arms after all that waiting Holy Spirit is the champion of the story he can give you peace to persevere And so I think he just wants to do some healing in hearts around that very thing. So he stirred up fire within your bellies around hope. But maybe some of you who are Marys, he wants to birth, he wants to conceive hope through that fire. But I want to speak now to the Zacharias and the Marys, or the Elizabeths. The Zacharias and Elizabeths, some of us who have held on to that word that was given to us. Because this time i really believe this christmas time god wants to do the miraculous in some of our lives and so again i just want you to bow your head to close your eyes and just give people the space to be able to do this if they want um if if you need a heart refilled with hope if you need hope to be revived because that's the game that jesus is in that's the game the holy spirit is in revival he wants to revive hope over hearts this morning. So just put your hand on your heart if you need that. I need it. The Holy Spirit. Thank you that you just keep giving. You're so generous. It's the best Christmas gift that could be given to someone is restored hope into the heart. And so we just declare it right now. You don't need my permission. Just go do it. Go, Holy Spirit. People are here, they're hungry. So we speak life into words that feel dead right now, into prayers that seem to have not been heard. You have not been overlooked. Your words are worth something. The Father hears them. He just wants to impart a little bit of courage in your heart right now. So just more. Holy Spirit, more. 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 Yeah. 
I think Holy Spirit also wants to break shame in the room. So I'm just giving you a heads up on that. But continue hope to be poured into hearts. Hope. So Lord, I pray encouragement this week to not give up. Don't give up. You're on the brink of a miracle. Don't give up. You're on the brink of a miracle. And so I ask you to release the miraculous over those hearts and over those prayers this morning. One of the things when we talked about that great exchange as well, so just continue to posture, keep your eyes closed, continue to put your hand on your heart if it needs to be. But one of the things that is also in this story is that when Elizabeth, when she's given that child, she says that her shame is no more. Because it was shameful for a woman in that society to not be able to bear her children. And I think God wants to break shame, not just in situations like that. I mean, you will know, if, I, if Holy Spirit's doing this right now in the room, you'll know what I'm talking about. There's shame in your life that God wants to say, it's gone. Freedom from that this Christmas time. Go right now. So Lord, we break off shame over lives where it's held people back for too long. Shame, go in Jesus' name. You're not welcome here. And so we invite more of the kingdom of heaven into people's hearts. Even people right now who don't understand what's going on, why their heart has suddenly warmed. Why they're feeling a little bit sweaty. Why some people might be sitting thinking, I'm not feeling anything right now. Am I even connecting with God? Yes, you are. He's here and he's breaking off shame. He's releasing hope. He's stirring up fire of hope over the room. So just fall fresh, Holy Spirit. Let the tears flow. Let let laughter cry out. Let hope be restored. Come. Beautiful what he's doing in the room. I can see it in action. He's restoring hope. Some of you have massive smiles. Some of you are crying. That's okay. Some of you are just sitting in still contemplation. That's okay. Just let Holy Spirit continue to minister. Holy Spirit, we're sorry for the times where we've missed you in the whole story of Christmas time, the miraculous. And we repent of the times where we haven't held and clung on with all of our life to the miraculous. We thank you that you work in the everyday and in the mundane, but that you also give us hope through the miraculous. So we believe you for that. We repent of it and we believe. Repent of not belief and we are going to believe you for hope, for the miraculous, for breakthrough. For the chance to really feel joy. This Christmas time, when we sing joy to the world, we can do it because we mean it. Not that everything's happy clappy, but the deep down in our hearts, there's a little pocket of hope that's splashing all around our insides. And it's pouring out, like Andy would say, dollops of hope across the city from the overflow of our hearts. Dollops and dollops and dollops of hope. He's so generous, he just wants to give hope. It's Christmas time.
Um, there's one last one that I'm not going to ask anyone about this right now, but you can come to me at the end of this resonates with you because I, I want to step into risk, but continue to posture yourself in that. Continue you posture your hearts where you are right now. I feel I felt last night as I was preparing for this, I could see someone who um, you've lost a little bit of income in the last while. I think maybe even in the last month, but in the last little while, there's been a drop in income or there's been an, an, an administration error that's meant there's a drop in income and you're a little bit worried leading up to Christmas. Now, this may be God, it may just be me, okay? But if it's God, then take it. If it's me, forget about it. But I think whoever that person is, God's bringing. You know when it says the double portion that restores what the locusts have taken? I think there's a triple portion coming. There's a triple portion. So whatever you've lost, I think he's bringing back three times that amount. If that's of him, then Lord, you let it be. If it's not, then I repent of not listening to you the best that I can. And we just prayed you'd posture our hearts in that. So right now, Holy Spirit, just continue to work. Continue to work. We're not moving to you Restore hope. Dave, would you be able to just come and just play a little bit in the background? Because what I want us to do is, okay, so it's coming up now to time. We want to honor the kids downstairs. I noticed that. If you need to go and get your kids, go and get them. But I'm going to tell you something. If you need to come back and get someone to pray with you, it doesn't have to be me standing at the front. There's none special here. It's Holy Spirit. And each of you are filled with the Holy Spirit. So right now, begin to pray for each other. Whatever's, if you need an answer to prayer, then begin to pray with each other. And if you need to come back up and get someone to pray with you, do that. But Jesus, we thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you that you're constantly de- dealing in hope. <laughs> you're a hope dealer. Continue to minister to hearts. Continue to minister to hearts. And so as Dave plays, we just bring things to a soft close. You can chat among yourselves. You can pray with each other. But don't leave without holding on. I hope in Jesus' name. Amen.